Chapter 8 of A Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Girl of High Adventure by L.T. Meade. Chapter 8. It is one of the astonishing and also one of the blessed things of life that children of the age of Marguerite St. Just quickly accommodate themselves to circumstances. She was naturally a very brave little girl, and she had a heart warmer than most. But there was a quiet determination about her, that same determination which had won her way into all the hearts of the good folks at Desmondstown, and this she brought now to her aid. Her French grandpere was very nice, and she set to work to learn French as quickly as she could, in order to be able to converse with him not only in the English tongue, but also in his own. The young new wife said La Petite Comtesse was altogether of the most ravishing. The old comte said nothing at all, but he looked à La Petite out of his twinkling black eyes and tried hard to see her father in that bonny little brown face, in those steadfast, deep, very dark eyes, and in those smiling coral lips. But although little Margot had the dark eyes of her father, very dark and very beautiful, she had what was better for herself, the soul of her mother. It was because of that soul that Kathleen Desmond had been so loved, and because further she had happened to impart that soul to her little child Margot, who was in consequence more Irish than French. Nevertheless, she must remain for three months with Madame la Comtesse and with Monsieur le Comte, her grandpère. There was one relief, however, for her. She had little or no affection for her French relations, but she did most truly adore the idea of going to school at Arles and of learning something about French girls in general. Madame la Comtesse had most solemnly promised dear Uncle Jackal to send her to school, and Marguerite waited impatiently for the day and hour when she might commence her studies. The day and hour, however, seemed to be a long way off. Each day as it came, she was expected to devote all her time to Grandpère and to make the old man laugh by her funny attempts at the French language. Still, there was no talk of school. There was, however, a vast amount of talk of dress. Mon Grandpère laughed until he could hardly stop laughing when he saw Margot in her pretty French costumes. He chuckled when she attempted to imitate his French and Madame kept on saying, Fidonc, Fidonc. Ah, but thou mightest be a child of three and thirty to hear thee talk. See, behold, how thou dost make thy grandpere laugh. Thou dost do him much good. Fidonc, petite comtesse, thou must not make him laugh till he expires. Has he not already the liver too pronounced? We must take care of him, ma petite. He wishes for thy company, and I, behold, I have my chateau. Tiens, it comes me, not a little. Margot gazed with some amazement at her young grandmother. Thou hast made a promise, my grandmère, she exclaimed. The dogs fly, and you do not fulfill it. You do not carry it out. See, behold, madame, it is of the most religious. You said it with those lips to the holiest man in the world. Behold, madame, there will come a curse on thee if thou dost not carry it out. Non, 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 cried madame in great distress of mind. Speak not so cruelly, ma petite comtesse. See, mon enfant, I love thee. Thou shalt have another chapeau. I don't want another chapeau, said Margot. I'd like to go to school where the really young girls, not the old young girls, live. Thou didst promise, comtesse, thou must keep thy word. But thou dost give pleasure to the old man, thy grandpère. Think of that, ma petite. I will give him greater pleasure when I go to school, said Margot. I will bring him back day by day stories, ah, of the funniest. He will laugh. Thou wilt see, Comtesse, how he will enjoy himself. 
Ma petite, thou hast a wise head, said the Comtesse. Thou shalt have thy way. There is a school for the trimming of hats and for the perfect education in the French tongue by one Therese Marcel. I will take thee to her tomorrow morning. But I don't want to learn to trim hats, said Margot. Ah, but it is a rare accomplishment, little one. Thou will learn it and put etre, the piano also, and put etre, the French tongue, in all its perfection. And are the girls at Theresa Marcel's old, young, or only young? inquired Margot. Ah, ma petite bebe, they are one and all of the youngest and the gayest. See, I will take thee tomorrow, and I am the last woman in the world to break my word. Margot skipped away in her light and graceful manner, and the next morning she and the Comtesse St. Just drove into Arles in one of the very newest and best motor-cars of the time. They stopped before a large magasin, which looked to little Margot far more like a gorgeous shop than a school. There were chapeaux innumerable displayed in certain windows. There were all sorts of robes, robes of every sort and description also to be seen. Madame entered smiling, holding the little hand of La Petite. She was greeted by smiles from everyone in the shop. In fact, her entrance seemed to bring a ray of sunshine with it. All the young women who were talking about and attending to different customers were trying to catch her eye in order to secure one of her much-treasured smiles. Madame la Comtesse, however, knew her own mind, and, motioning to Margot to seat herself, entered into conversation of a very earnest and at the same time spirited nature with a young woman who sat behind a sort of raised counter. Margot was left to look around her. She was much, indeed, greatly puzzled by what she saw. What could have happened? What a very queer sort of school this was. Presently, a number of ladies came in, and Margot forgot her own immediate interest in the excitement of watching them. They did not look like English ladies, nor did they look like French. One of them was very large and very fat and red. She had a square figure planted on large square feet and a firm jaw indicating a tenacity of purpose, which the ill-natured might call pig-headedness. A young and very pretty French girl came up and spoke to her. She said that she required a chapeau, condemning as she spoke the entire style of Madame Marcel's goods. There is only one thing here that would suit me, she said. See, behold, she pointed to a very small child's hat in a corner. It was trimmed with small bunches of marguerites and violets. Her friend expostulated with her, but she did not take the least notice. J'aime beaucoup le chapeau-là, she said, pointing to one of her choice. Ah, exclaimed the young French shop girl, le chapeau pour la bébé. It is nice, is it not? But now we must find something Parisian for Madame Purcell. Before Margot could quite get to the end of the, this exciting story and find out which hat the red-faced woman, fat woman required, Madame la Comtesse came to her side. I have settled for thee, ma petite, she said. Thou wilt come here each morning and take lessons in the making of chapeaux. Then, after that is over, thou shalt have an hour in which to learn the French tongue and half an hour to do the different harmonies on the piano. Then thou wilt return to my Alphonse. Thou wilt be a very happy share, petite. See, I leave thee now under the care of Madame Marcel. Margot did not know whether to laugh or cry. The Comtesse whisked out the shop amidst more nods and smiles, and Madame came and took Margot's little hand. Behold, she said, thou art of the ancienne noblesse. Now thou wilt learn. I myself will instruct thee. Dost thou see that woman with the red face? Oh, yes, said Margot. She is very ugly. She wants to find a hat, said Madame, which would only suit a bebe. Now then, come. You and I will go to her and show her what is right. Thou must flatter her into buying a Parisian chapeau. She would look absurd with her own ideas. 
I thought this, this was a school, said poor little Margot, raising her brown eyes and fixing them on Madame Marcel. So it is a school, my petite comtesse, and of the most wonderful, the most extraordinaire. Ah, Madame la Comtesse is right to have, to have you taught. A little knowledge goes a long way when it is acquired as I will teach it. Now then, stand aside and listen. You will soon learn. I manage in this school of all schools the best. Come, pull my hand. She brought the pretty child forward and stood right in front of the red-faced lady. You want a chapeau, madame? Ah, c'est drôle, ne sais pas? That is for la bébé? She pointed with scorn at the tiny hat. Here is one for you. See, I am in the despair to oblige you, but behold, I have the very thing. Madame produced a hat from off its stand, covered with flowers, butterflies, and small feathers of different colors. Behold for yourself, madame. It came from Paris yesterday. It is too showy. I like the little hat best, said madame of the red face. Let me speak. Suddenly interrupted little Margot. Your face, behold, it is red and must be softened. You shall wear brown. See, I picture it in my eye, continued Margot, speaking as though she had been acting shopwoman all her days. A brown hat, très doux, and one long feather to match. Have you seen a hat, madame? exclaimed little Margot. It is wonderful, the taste of the comtesse, cried madame. She sees at once what will suit you, chère madame. The comtesse, that little girl a comtesse, cried the astonished red-faced American lady. Ah oui, madame, she is the young comtesse Saint-Just, and her taste, it is of the most exquisite. Paris itself cannot touch her. Why does she come here? asked the American. But get me the brown hat with the brown feather. She looks like a child who has pretty taste. Little Margot stood very silent. She was not going to laugh. Having given her idea, she stuck to it. Her grave and lovely eyes were fixed on the American's face. The brown hat was produced in a twinkling. It was tried on. It was pronounced perfect. I will have a fan to match, said the American. Ah, oui, c'est bon, said little Margot. I will myself choose it for you, madame. She chose a fan made of brown feathers with a long tortoise shell handle. Here, behold, said little Margot. Immediately, the other American ladies buzzed round the brown hat and round the brown fan, and little Margot found herself acting as shopwoman and enjoying herself immensely. And now the price, mademoiselle, mademoiselle la comtesse, said the red-faced American, when all the ladies had been provided with hats and fans. I know not, said Margot. Madame, you will tell the price. For me, I am fatiguée. She marched away, hearing, however, behind her a perfect buzz of remonstrance. The prices were monstrous. They were absurd. They were beyond even thinking about. Madame stood calmly by, holding a pile of hats with brown feathers in her hand. It is the will of la petite comtesse, she remarked, and then again she stood silent. By and by, the hustle grew so great, the noise so animated, that Margot wondered how the whole thing would end, and when these horrid, disagreeable women would leave the shop. But after the storm, there came peace. The brown hats and the brown fans hastily arranged themselves. The money was paid, 150 francs for each chapeau, and 130 francs for each fan. Madame danced up to Margot and kissed her several times. We have made, we have made, oh, so much for your dot little one, she said. You are the very best salesman I ever knew. What will our sweet Madame la Comtesse say when we tell her? Six chapeaux at a hundred and fifty francs apiece, six fans at a hundred and thirty francs apiece. Ah, but it is marvelous. You have the natural gift, little one. Come with me now into the apartment where we sell the robes of all sorts and colors. You will make the fortune of this place, little Comtesse. I will not go with you, madame, cried little Margot. This is not a school, it is a shop. I want to learn my French. I demand that I learn it. I will not again give counsel about hats for ugly women. 
You will learn the tongue of the French so ravishing in those apartments set aside for les robes, cried madame. Come, my little comtesse, you are a genius and must not throw away your gift. I tell you, I am fatigué, cried Margot. I will not enter a shop. I will go to school. It is a vow taken. Where is grand-mère? See, I will do nothing more in your horrid shop. Ah, ma pauvre petite, cried the good-natured madame. La petite, she is tired out, and no wonder. Ah, ma chérie, is it not for your own dot? Now, come listen. There is one playing in the other room. He is playing the, those delicious songs of Wagner. Courage, mon enfant, you have done well and are tired. Ah, look at that robe in exquisite satin, colored as the oyster, and that single row of pearls round the neck, and that magnificent diamond star crowning the summit of La Chevalier. See the air it lends. Will you not help me to sell that costume so ravishing, my little comtesse? No, no, I hate it. All, said Margot. I will listen to the music of Wagner until my French mistress comes, and then I will return to Monsieur le Comte Saint-Just, mon grand-père. Ah, but I am miserable, miserable in a shop. What would the Desmond say if he saw his pushkin in a shop? Madame saw that she had gone as far as she could with the little comtesse. She placed her where she could listen to the beautiful music which delighted the child and soothed her troubled heart, and then a young Frenchman entered the appartement, and with his knees and heels tightly pressed together made a very low bow to the little comtesse St. Just. He began talking to her in a lively manner in the French tongue, correcting her mistakes and teaching her how to use the French language properly. Margot was a wonderfully quick little pupil, but she sprang up with delight when she saw the comtesse enter. The Comtesse had an earnest conversation with Madame, and approached Margot, her black eyes full of smiles and her cheeks very bright. Ah, but thou art of the very best, mon enfant, she cried, and she took the little Comtesse in her arms and kissed her before everyone in the shop. The child and the woman got into the motor-car and drove off as quickly as possible in the direction of the chateau. Thou must never do that again, grandmère, cried Margot. Do what, ma petite, my cabbage, my pigeon? That was a shop, not a school. I desire to go to a school, said Margot. I will tell Monsieur Le Comte, my French grandpère. Thou wilt not. Thou couldst not be so cruel, exclaimed her French grandmother. Ah, oh, but I could and I would. I will not learn in a shop. Then, however am I to get thee thy dot, my petite, cried the Comtesse, and thou hast a gift in that way, a gift the most marvellous. Didst thou not sell six brown hats and six brown fans today? Thou hast the true taste running in thy veins, ma petite. But you don't want me to sell hats, said Margot. Yes, I do, I do. Thou hast the gift, madame confirms it. Tell not thy grandpere, or he will rage. He would rage in the French fashion, and that might cause la mort. Ah, ma petite, thou wilt not injure thy pauvre grandpere. But I do not understand, cried little Margot. I will put it clear to thee, if thou wilt not tell thy grandpere. Perhaps I will not tell, said Margot. Thou must not tell, ma petite. The hats and fans thou didst sell were mine, and the money goes towards thy dot. Go to my most beautiful establishment each day for one hour, for thou hast most truly the gift of selling, and the title of the little comtesse goes far. Then I will call for thee, and take thee to a school, a school for the daughters of the ancien noblesse. Wilt thou do this for thy pauvre belle grand-mère, and wilt thou keep it dark, very dark, from thy grand-père? But why? Why must he not know? asked little Margot. Because, ma petite, when I met that most noble and ancient gentleman, the chateau was going to ruin. He wanted the comfort, but he had not l'argent. I told him I had le dot, and he married me. He thinks I have given up the establishment where the chapeau and the robes are, but how could I give them up, ma petite comtesse, when we would have nothing to live on otherwise? See, thou hast the gift, and thou canst 
help me one hour a day amongst my chapeau, one hour a day full appetit contest to show her taste, and then I take thee to the very best schools in ours. Will you really contest, asked Margot? I will, really, my most beautiful, my most lovely bebe. Do not embarrass thyself. All will be well. It is a bargain between us. No word to the comte, thy grandpere. He is too feeble and too proud. He has the pride of all the St. Juice in his veins, but he lives in, a com in comfort out of my establishment. Wilt thou not help me for one hour or two hours a day, little comtesse? Yes, if you keep your word about the school, said Margot, I will not otherwise. Indeed, I will not. No fear, ma petite, my word is my bond. But, said Margot, when I get back now, what am I to say to Grandpere? How can I talk to him about the shop, which is thy shop? Tell him thou didst go into an establishment with me, thy grandpere, thy grandmere, and describe to him the American lady with the stout figure and the red face. Tell him what she wanted and what thou didst suggest. Ah, but he will laugh, he will roar. I like Ireland better than France, said Margot solemnly, but I will do what thou dost wish on this one occasion, grandmere, for otherwise I could not live. Tomorrow I will attend thy horrible shop for one hour, and one hour only, and then I will go to school where the young, young girls are, and where I can be taught. See, thou hast promised. I have promised, and I will fulfill, said her grandmère. The school belongs to my friend, Mademoiselle la Princesse de Fleury. Thou dost not know how much thou wilt learn there. It is chic of the chic. Ooh la la, thou wilt enjoy thyself at the Princesse de Fleury's school. So little Margot entered the old chateau, fairly satisfied to be taught by a princess, seemed a very high honor indeed, and she determined to lose no time in picking up knowledge to delight Uncle Jacko and dear, dear granddad, the Desmond. End of chapter 8